skewed. So the goal today is we're going to take a soundbite from scripture. We're going to bring context to it and what I call the breakdown. We're going to ask some journalistic questions and then we're going to talk about the shakedown, which is where I believe uh, Satan wants to lie to us and he wants to get us in a position of misunderstanding and misinterpreting what it is that Jesus was trying to say. We will always seek to make context king in doing this. You've heard this if you've been with us the last few weeks and we seek to make context king by first and foremost seeking the king and we want to know what the king sees. We want to seek Jesus. We want to know what Jesus is seeing and saying in this situation. Today's summer soundbite, John 14, 14, is this. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it powerful scripture. Who is saying this and what's being talked about? This is going to be the breakdown. I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to get through this rather rapidly. So hold on. Who's saying this? Jesus is speaking. Who's Jesus speaking to? Jesus is speaking to his disciples at the time. And if you're not familiar with scripture, perhaps you're, you're sitting here or you're on an online campus and someone has sent you a link or they've said, hey, you should take a listen to this. It might help in the situation you're in. What I'm going to do today is present to you scripture and it's just passages and writings out of a book called the Bible. And as I present those things to you, I'm going to try to bring some truths that I hope would be practically applicable to your life. And we have to understand, though, what's being said, who was saying it, and the context it was set in. So Jesus was speaking to his disciples. His disciples were his friends who were followers of him. They were following what it was he was doing. And Jesus' ministry at this time had taken off. And in John 14, he's answering a question that really he's been dealing with since a couple chapters before. Jesus has been trying to communicate to his followers that he's, he's here for a specific purpose. He keeps trying to tell them, I'm here in so many words. He's, he's, he's saying to them, I'm here to, to reveal something to you. And as he walks, he starts telling him a little bit more. And in John, John chapter 12, it's the beginning of kind of his farewell tour, I'd like to say. Right before he goes to his death on the cross. And he starts really doubling down on his information he's giving them. He's like, look guys, I, I'm, I am the Messiah. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I am the Messiah. I am the one who is going to reconcile all of the stuff that you've read about in the older part of scripture. And I'm going to reconcile this relationship between you and the father. He starts talking about the father a lot. And they're going, wow, this is weird. This guy is talking about God as his father. And he's saying that he's the son of God. And we don't really understand. And now Jesus gets to the point. He has this famous dinner with the disciples. It's called the Last Supper. Perhaps you've heard about it. And at this dinner, he, he does something completely wild. He washes the feet of his followers, which is unheard of in culture. Because he, at this point, is considered a teacher. And even in some, in some words, it's very similar to like rabbi. And you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have the rabbi, the teacher, the expert washing the feet of the people who were learning. If anything, it would be the other way around. And Jesus stops and he washes the feet of the disciples at this dinner. And then he reveals the person who was going to betray him. His name was Judas. And while he's doing this, he's like, guys, do you understand what's going on here? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and my dad is a really great guy. And he's got this amazing house. It's got plenty of room for all of, all of creation. He's got plenty of room for all of humanity. 
And so he, my dad wants to have space for all of you, but specifically, I'm also going to go and prepare a specific space for you. And I want you to know something this morning that God is a great big God. And he has reconciled through his son, Jesus Christ, this disconnection between humanity, the human community and the father, our creator. And he's prepared a place for humanity, but he also has prepared a specific place for you. He's a God of humanity, but he's also a God of personal love and space. And so Jesus is like, I'm going to go prepare this space. But guys, I've been trying to tell you, I got to go. And there's this guy who's following Jesus. His name is Thomas. Thomas is so blunt. Have you ever met someone that's super blunt? Jesus is saying to them, do you understand what I'm saying? And Thomas says, dude, no one understands what you're saying. Just tell us what you're trying to say. And Jesus is doing this whole thing. Like, if you see me, you really see my dad. Because wherever I'm at, my dad's at. And wherever my dad's at, I'm at. So if you see me, you see my dad. And then Philip comes along, another friend of his who's following Jesus. And he says, after Thomas says this, and he's just like, Jesus. And by this time, I'm Jesus is probably getting a little, I'm suspect, you know, because it's just in my own human nature. I'm like, I want to I wanna punch the throat of one of these followers that are friends of mine. They're not getting it. And then Philip backs it up and goes, would you just show us the father? You're talking in all this kind of ambiguity and nonsense and we can't follow you, dude. What are you doing to show us the Father? Jesus is like, I know, right? That's what I've been trying to tell you. My whole goal as son is to bring glory this word glory, to illuminate. Check this out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to define this real quickly. To bring glory. To illuminate. To cause the dignity and worth of the Father to be manifest and be acknowledged. Jesus is saying, I know, Philip, my whole goal is in everything that I do to illuminate who the Father is. Because I'm telling you, Philip, I'm telling you, Thomas, I'm telling you, friends, that when the illuminated father, when God is glorified, when his glory, when his brightness enters into our darkness, everything changes. So Jesus says, listen, as it pertains to what we're talking about here, friends, check this out. Anything you ask of me in my name, just pray to me and I'll do it. But I'm also going to go one step further. And just after that, Jesus says, if you, as you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. And I'm going to ask my dad to send another one of our family members named Holy Spirit. Because this world, your life, you're going to encounter really rough times. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but I know in my life I encountered really rough times. 
And this was hard for me to hear, to be honest with you, because of what I had experienced in life. But this was Jesus' promise. I'm going to give you prayer to ask of these things in my name. And I'm going to leave you this family member, Holy Spirit. What an amazing promise. Here's the shakedown, though. Oftentimes, I'm speaking right now to people who have a level of belief in Jesus and maybe enough belief in Jesus that you're following the precepts. You're following the commandments. You're, you're actually following what Jesus says to do. So that's who I'm speaking to you right now. If you have no relationship with Jesus, sit back and just let this one slide. As a follower of Jesus, this is often what I hear this scripture get applied to the most. I can ask for anything. And if I take out this magic eight ball called Jesus' name, I can just be like, Jesus, mega million lotto numbers in the name of Jesus. Jesus, make my boss nice in the name of Jesus. And by nice, I mean doubling my salary in the name of Jesus. And God, I know that I'm late to work right now, so I need you to part the 78 freeway like you part the Red Sea. <laughs> Even though I'm 15 minutes late, but I'm totally gonna blame it on the traffic when I get to my boss who I think needs to be nice to me because when I walk in late, they treat me kind of ill, but they won't give me a raise. But I'm always late, but I blame it on the traffic. And now I'm gonna ask Jukebox Jesus to step in and fix a problem that I actually created by doing something that is insane. Part the Red Sea called the 78. And I just, all I gotta do is in the name of Jesus. So while I'm driving down the emergency lane because Jesus didn't part the Red Sea and that high patrolman pulls me over and now I'm getting a ticket, I just say, officer, stop in the name of Jesus. Do you know? Do you know what weapon I have? I have the magic eight ball. I have jukebox Jesus. Anything I ask. And if I just say, in the name of Jesus, he has to do it. John 14, 14, sir. Read it and weep. Here's the problem. I have a predisposed idea of how Jesus needs to answer my request. And so when he doesn't answer according to this predisposition that I have, guess what I do? I've experienced this in life. You can jump on this train that I've ridden before if this pertains. The moment that Jesus doesn't answer my request as I have, I've already come to the conclusion in my brain what it needs to look like. This is what I'm led to feel like. Jesus doesn't love me. He doesn't hear me. In fact, he's abandoned me. See, the lie, the number one thing that I believe Satan wants to do in our life is he wants us to live a disjointed reality. Jesus' whole goal was to come and reconcile the relationship between us and the Father in revealing himself and to reveal the father because he knows when dad walks into the room he illuminates everything so wouldn't you think that the number one thing that an enemy would want is i want to disconnect for you in your heart and your brain the idea that you're lovable i want to create in you a reality that says you're alone 
and you're not loved. Which social science has proven time and time again. As humans, we have an insatiable desire to feel loved, to know we belong to something. And with a lack of proper biblical foundation of our understanding of what true love is, we will take this insatiable innate desire that we have and we will go to any length, even if the wrong lengths to feel like we're being loved and we belong to something. And what it does is it creates, I'm going to use this word, it creates an orphan mentality to say, I've been orphaned. Maybe some of you have sat and you've prayed prayers with people before and you've asked God for things and he didn't answer the way that you thought he needed to answer it. And you maybe have been left hurt and maybe you feel like he should have. And maybe people have told you maybe some crooked understanding of this scripture And you're left feeling like maybe you're less than as a person or you're less than as a Christian or maybe even hurt from a family of believers that we call the church. But the truth is this, this issue is not an abandonment issue, it's an authority issue. And this is what I mean. When we believe the lie of the enemy, what we're really doing is, is we're partnering with what he's saying And we try to be the authority. We try to bring our name as the authority. Written on the check of promise. John 14, 14 says, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Anything as it pertains to what? If I was sitting with you, and we were having a conversation and you were really struggling because you were short on, on resource for something. And let's say you were short on resource. I was having a conversation, in fact, with a friend of mine. And they were short on resource of just manpower. Like, man, we just really need some manpower. We're really struggling right now. And this is happening a lot in business. You know, you, you drive by like a lot of fast food restaurants and there's like, dude, we're doing anything to hire people. Would you just come and work? This is, this is, this is like a huge issue. So I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine. He's just like, man... I don't know what to do. I'm short on resource. And I, I said to him, and he's a leader of another church. And, and I said, um, hey, listen, let me know if there's anything that I can do and I'll do it. Now, do you understand that contextually in the conversation, what I meant was if there's anything that I can do as it pertains to the purpose of which we're conversing over, I will do whatever I can as it pertains to the thing that I'm talking about with you. That's what's happening in this passage. There is a purpose. Jesus is saying, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Anything as it pertains to what? As it pertains to Jesus being able to reveal the Father so the Father is illuminated so that he can shine light in the darkest areas of humanity. And me winning the Mega Million Lotto, although it pleases me, It's the immaturity of a child that thinks that they can make a request to a father and the father is obligated to do it. Buy me a pony. Right? God wants us to be childlike in our faith. He wants us to run to him and ask him for anything. But we have to understand he can only grant those things in accordance to his will and his good pleasure. And in this case, Jesus is saying, ask anything in my name and I'll do it as it pertains to what? 
revealing himself as the son of God so that he can be part of the reconciling story between us and the father. And in doing so, the father is eliminated. That changes things, doesn't it? I like this, this, the word will do in the Greek means to endorse. It's to write a check. <laughs> like how many of you still write checks? Wow. Man, less service. There was like 10 people out of like, I was shocked. How many of you write a check at a grocery store still? What in the world are you doing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's like, I didn't want to raise my hand. I shouldn't have done that. No, here, here's what's funny. Do you know what you're doing when you write a check? Do you, do you really understand what's happening when you write a check? You're really, it's, it's, it's an IOU. It's a formal IOU. So when I write you a check, if I was like, hey, Dana, um, there's a transaction happening. I have a request of you. So in this case, we're like, Jesus, we have a request of you. Now, to be more specific, I have a request of, of Dana's dad. Jesus is the one who endorses the check and grants the ability for the father to be able to do what it is we're requesting. So Dana, I have a request of your father, okay? I'm gonna ask you, but I need you to endorse the check that's being written because my name doesn't carry the weight and the authority to back what I'm asking. Like I don't have the power and authority in my name to actually endorse that IOU. I can't endorse the IOU of my salvation and of God, the Father, stepping into humanity and doing what he needs to do. Only you can do that as the son of that dad. So I need you to endorse that check. Is this making sense? When we endorse a check, when you endorse a check, that check is only as good as your character. Here's what I mean. I could write you a check for a billion dollars right now. There's a couple problems with that. I got seven kids, man. I guarantee you, I'm like a billion short of that billion dollars. Okay? Let's just say I had the billion. You then have to believe that I am unwavering in my ability to ask and my ability to act. And when my ask and my act are in line, we call that integrity. So if I write you an IOU, here's a billion dollar check, you have to, number one, believe I have the money in the bank. Number two, you have to believe that I'm good for it. Is there proof that I'm unwavering in my ability to ask and act? Do I have an integrity? Do you have confidence in my character as a person? And that is simply, when you write a check to somebody, that's simply what's happening. I trust you. You're going to write me a check for $50 for this exchange that we have. I trust you that you're good for the 50 bucks, but, but you're going to be sure that even if somehow that 50 bucks isn't there quite yet, you're going to borrow, beg, and don't steal. You're going to borrow, beg, and ask. And you're going to make sure that money's there, right? Because I know you, and I know you're good for it. And your word is your bond. There's integrity there. That's, that's what's happening when we ask anything in Jesus' name, and he will do it. He is endorsing the check of our request. Now, I love Jesus 
embrace of humanity because what he does is he doesn't say, hey, here's a great theory that I want you to obey and do. He does it. It deepens that character. So in Mark 32, here's what's happening. Jesus begins this journey of his farewell tour. He's spending time with the disciples. He's telling them he's got to go. They don't understand. Philip's like, we just want to see the Father. He's like, yeah, right, I know. He's like, if you pray, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to do everything that I can do so that as it pertains to the promise that I have for you, that you see it. I'm also going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then right after this conversation, before he gets arrested and he ends up dying on the cross, he finds himself in a garden. There's a moment he's hanging out and he says to his friends, he says, hey, Peter, James, John, come with me. And it says in verse 33 of Mark 14, it says, he took Peter, James, and John with him and he became, check this, deeply troubled and distressed. Have you ever felt deeply troubled and distressed over something? Remember that the enemy wants you to believe that you're left completely alone emotionless God, someone who has no ability to connect with you on a human level. Jesus has no idea what you're going through. And I love this because it's like, he's deeply distressed. And he tells them, my soul, this language to me is incredible. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Hey, I don't want to be alone. This desire to belong. Have you ever felt like you're like you've just been emotionally gutted over something? I had an interaction yesterday with some people that like the super high point of something that was going on and I was like, "Man, this is so good." And I a no joke turned and I was met face to face with a situation where somebody said something to me and it was like they just like uh, and just gutted me and I felt like the spirit in me was just ripped out of me it felt familiar because see my story was when I was nine years old I had someone abusing me and they would hold a knife to my neck and they would have me in a chokehold and they would say if you move one inch I'll cut your throat And they would hold loaded nine millimeters to me and just to the point of me feeling fear and crying. And I would sit and I was just a nine-year-old little boy and a tear would just run down my cheek. My spirit was being crushed. The enemy wants us to hold on to this and wants me to relate my experience here to how the Father's going to love me. And I'm going to tell you something, this whole idea of fatherhood, man, that's a whole... See, when I was 18 years old, my dad died. He was 47 years old. I stand before you at 47. I watched my father die multiple deaths growing up, a body ravaged with cancer. There's something powerful about the father walking into the room. 
Do you know how many times as a daddy myself, I simply just wanted my father to walk into the room and to see his face. The power of a father stepping in. How many times I just wanted to have a conversation with him. To be able to say to him, hey dad, where do, where do you, where are you at on this? Like, I'm trying to raise seven daughters. I'm scratching my head here. What do you have? Like, where are you at in this for me, dad? And dad, every time you step in, you've, you've proven to me in my life, and my dad did this for me. Every time you step in, you've proven that you illuminate a situation and you're able to draw my perspective and understanding to something greater. So dad, can you just tell me? And Jesus gives us his example of this. He says, while he's feeling completely gutted and he's crushed with grief, he says, he went a little bit further and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. And then he says this, this, is, this word in and of itself, the depth of it, he says, Abba, Father. He's not repeating Father, Father. This word Abba means like daddy. It's the point that you get to that like everything flees you. Like all of your, all of your faculty of adulthood, you get back to that raw place of like, when I see a child who gets hurt and just screams out, like, I want my daddy. This is where Jesus is at, and he's full of distress. And perhaps you can relate to this. Perhaps you have a story that you need to find out. Where is Jesus at in your story? Because I needed to find out, Jesus, where are you at in my story? Because I've experienced some real grief and some crushing of my spirit. And I've experienced some discouragement and some dismay. And I don't quite know how I can, I'm going to see myself out of this. And I'm doing the best I can as a daddy myself. But I think I'm falling short, and I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a good pastor. You're trying to be a good son and daughter. You're trying to be a good friend and you're feeling the crushing. You're feeling the distress and you just get to this point where you're like, daddy. And Jesus says something powerful. He says, everything is possible for you, dad. He acknowledges his own pain and he acknowledges the ability that the father has to completely remove what he's going to have to do going to the cross. And here's the key. Here's the complete key. Jesus says this and it changed. When I, when I understood this, it changed my whole life. I want to tell you something. It changed my life. It changed the way that I asked things from the father in prayer. This is what Jesus says. Please if you can't take this cup of suffering from me yet, but here's the yet. He says, but yet I want your will to be done. Not mine. Can I tell you what my will would have been? To not be abused as a child. To not start drinking at nine. To not overdose on drugs at 11. To have a completely blurred, confused identity. 
it was my will to not lose my father. But I want to tell you something. As soon as I had the ability to say this, Jesus, reveal yourself. Where are you? And if I can find you, I'm finding the heart of your father. And in the darkest recesses of my memories and the things that I've walked through, the things that I thought were dead, the things that you think are dead and gone, and that the best thing that you need to do is to lock those things away. Just if we don't talk about them, they won't exist, but they also won't hurt me any longer. But to say, Jesus, where are you? Because where I find you, I find the perfect love of a father. I find his glory. And when the glory of my dad comes into a situation, he brings light and he chases the darkness away. I was woken up at 4.10 this morning by thunder and lightning. Anyone with me? Baby Jesus, I've had a child in diapers and keeping me awake to some degree with my wife for 23 years. And last night we were like, sleep, 410, flash of light, and illuminated our entire bedroom. And why don't you stand? This is what I felt like the Lord was saying. Here's our prayer this morning. First and foremost, let's just close our eyes. This is my prayer this morning. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, show us. Where are you? Because if I can find you again in my story, find daddy's heart. I can find the papa's heart. And if I can find the papa's heart, I'm having a 410 a.m. experience when in the midst of darkness, his glory comes like a flash of lightning. And even with my back turned and my eyes closed, and even when the enemy has us slumbered and in a sleep and telling us that we should just don't worry about it and we should just be lulled away into just dealing with things the way that we've learned how to cope, that what I'm saying is that the father wants to break off coping mechanisms this morning. He wants to break off um, ways that we've learned to deal with the pains and the hurts. He wants to break those things off. What he wants to do is he wants to give you a 410 a.m. experience where all of the darkness that you've experienced that you've learned to cope with is going to be hit right now in the name of Jesus by a flash of light. It's the glory of his presence. Because Jesus, I'm going to ask right now, where are you in our story? Where are you in the stories of every single person in this room? Where are you in the stories of every single person listening right now on our online campus? Where are you you at in the story 
eyes and the workplaces of the people that are watching this message back during the week? Where are you in the stories of the families of the people that are hearing this? Because Jesus, if we can find you in our stories, we can find the heart of the Father and you're going to give us that 4.10 a.m. experience, that flash of light in the midst of darkness. And some of you, I want to tell you, have experienced hurts and pains. And for some of you, I want, I'm going to be really distinct about this. Some of you have experienced hurts and pains just in life in general. And I feel like God wants to reconcile and heal those things. He wants to heal the lie that the enemy has tried to propagate against us in our humanity to say that you're unloved, that you're all alone, that you don't belong. You're an orphan. You've always been an orphan. You always will be an orphan and there's no hope for you. For some of us, there's another group that you've experienced this hurt, and I hate to say this, you've, you've experienced it within the four walls of the human community that gathers together in faith that we call affectionately the church. But God wants you to turn your face to him this morning so that he can let his glory come into that space so there can be healing and reconciliation. Specifically this morning, um, I felt like what the Lord wanted to do is reconcile some things emotionally. So just emotionally, like I will tell you the strain and the pressure that I felt emotionally in my life, that was the burden. Like physically I had walked out of things, but emotionally I was struggling with some things. And I just felt like God wanted to reconcile some things emotionally here. And, and this, is a, this is a bit of a vulnerable moment, but I'm going to ask you to do this. If this is you, if you're like, man, this makes sense to me this morning, I want you to raise your hand. Just be, be brave. I want, amen. It's good. It's okay. It's okay. Raise your hand. Now here's the deal. I ordain the people around you to be ministers of goodness. And so I want you to open your eyes. And if there's someone around you, if they aren't already being prayed for, we have a minister team that's going to gather around. I just want you to get with these. Put your hands on them. Let's begin praying right now. And we're just going to be breaking this stuff off. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus. We just say, come. Come Holy Spirit. Come Jesus. Show yourself to us this morning. When you show yourself to us, when we see your face, we're able to see the heart of the Father and where your glory is you bring light into the darkness and specifically there's things and areas that you have thought some of you have thought were dead that that people around you have said forget about it's dead it's gone and I want to tell you that God wants to revive some of those things he wants to bring alive the things that you think that maybe humanity has even played a part in killing and destroying and I want to tell you that God is a God of revival he is a God of reconciliation he's a God of restoration that as mamas and daddies that you have been given a purpose and a reason this morning we had the awesome ability to dedicate a bunch of babies so I feel like this is a bit of a carryover but God we are standing today and saying we want to bring your presence your glory we want to illuminate the lives of the families in our cities so we say come to our cities Jesus show yourself in our cities show yourself in our homes show yourself in our workplaces but God, I refuse any longer to stand and allow the enemy to keep preaching lies. So good. Come on, we just asked for more. I just asked for more. Yeah. Yeah. 
Come, Holy Spirit, just come on. Come on, Father. I just speak against the spirit of addiction in this room. I just break off the spirit of addiction in this place. I say no to the spirit of addiction in this place. Um, Coping mechanisms. Some of you feel like, some of you maybe that resonated, you've developed some great coping mechanisms to deal with things. If you, if you realize today that what you've, you've done is you've developed really good coping mechanisms, but things aren't reconciled, I want to introduce you to Jesus because when we see Jesus and find him, we find the heart of the Father. So whatever those things are, coping mechanisms can even seem appropriately healthy but they're keeping you from they're keeping you from the relationship that you need most. And if that's you this morning, um, I'm actually I'm gonna have you, but before you leave here, I'm just gonna ask you to just come forward. You just get some prayer from our prayer team, from our ministry team. And say, man, I've developed coping mechanisms, and you can get as deep as you want into explaining what that looks like. But we simply are going to say, come Jesus and show us your father. Yeah. If you're comfortable doing so, you can just open your hands up. I'm just going to close this out in prayer. You can open your hands up. For some of you, maybe this is a new thing. So I just want to be really plain about this. This is simply saying, hey, whatever it is that's happening, whatever God's doing, I'm willing to to receive this. So maybe that's just, you don't have to be like crazy hands above your head. If, if that's you, go for it. Like fully devoted, high dive, right? If you're just, I'm going to hold the baby Jesus down here and put your hands, just open them right here. That's totally cool. I was the dude that stood in the back of the room with my hands in my pockets, but I would turn them over because my personality is I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. And if I do it, you're not going to know. I won't let you see it. Okay. Just opening your hearts up here. Father, I pray right now, just with open hearts, open hands right now. Come on. Rearrange what we think about ourselves. <laughs> this is important. Rearrange what we think about ourselves to appropriately be aligned with what you have originally designed us for. rearrange what we think about you to appropriately represent your character your desires and your heart your unwavering integrity that ultimately when we find you Jesus and we find your dad's heart we are left transformed 
in Jesus' powerful name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen.